This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Vic, and you're listening to another episode here on the Mindful Experiment. Excited to have you on as this week, you know, every once a week, every Friday, we have an interview of someone that we dive into and how to help you elevate in your life, maybe one perspective of life or all aspects. And in this episode, I had the distinct honor and pleasure of interviewing Maria Brito. And it was an awesome conversation that we had. She talks a lot about, we talked a lot about art and got into the importance of creativity though. And why is it important to be creative in your life? Why is it important to be a creative as an entrepreneur? We talked about Bill Gates. We talked about Steve Jobs. We got into the essence of why they are where they are because of their creativity and how you can focus on the present moment in your life to really elevate to that next level because the present moment is where the disruption happens. And so if you're an entrepreneur listening to this or you have an idea or something, focus on the present because that's where it's all about. But for those who want to know a little deeper, Maria is an award-winning New York-based contemporary artist advisor, author, and curator. She's a Harvard graduate originally from Venezuela. Her first monograph out there published by Pointed Leaf Press in 2013 was the recipient of the Best Books Award in both the art and design categories. In 2015, Brito was selected by Complex Magazine as one of the 20 power players in the art world. And in 2020, she was named by Art News as one of the visionaries 
who gets to shape the art world. She has written for publications such as Entrepreneur, Huffington Post, Elle, Forbes, Artnet, Cultured Magazine, Departures, and the Gulf Coast Journal of Literature and Fine Arts from the University of Houston, Texas. For several years, Maria has taught her creativity course in companies, and in 2019, she launched Jumpstart, an online program on creativity for entrepreneurs based on years of research and observation in both the areas of business and art. Sit back, relax, enjoy this one. I promise you it's an amazing one. I don't want to take any more thunder away from Maria, but here is Maria Brito. Maria, welcome to the show. Thank you, Vic. I'm so happy to be here today. I'm excited to have you on. I love what you're doing and the, the, the angle that you come from and with an art world and all this, how to help people be creative and pro- all this good stuff. So I'm excited for the listeners to uh, tune in and really hear what you have to share and how to help them and so much more. So thanks for taking time to share with the Mindful Experiment uh, uh, tribe and community. Absolutely. And it's all about mindfulness. You know, that's a very important word. And I hope that people know why we use the word mindfulness so often and how important it is to be grounded in the present, even to see the future. You've got to be grounded in the present. Yeah. And all that, that's the only thing that exists is the present, right? Yep. So tell me really quick, my listeners know how this goes, not really quick, you can choose how long, but how, what got you into doing what you're doing today? What's the journey that brought you to what you're, all the work and the amazing things you're doing? Yes, well, I, I was born and raised in Venezuela, and I moved to the States to pursue a law degree. Um, I went to Harvard Law. And uh, I landed in New York City when I graduated because I wanted to become an attorney at a big law firm. And I worked in big law firms, uh, corporate law in New York, for almost nine years. And I honestly hated it. <laughs> I, I, I followed my parents' dream of what they wanted for me. They had very good intentions, but they never understood how creative and artistic I was. And they thought that if I wanted to pursue something where I was relying on those skills, I was going to starve, which is completely erroneous, by the way. And I, when I had my first child, in, um, I was looking at him and I said, no, you know, I really have to show this child that life is about really pursuing our passions and connecting with human beings at a deeper level that actually makes us happy and fulfilled. And I quit my nine-year-old practice as a corporate attorney, and I decided I was going to open an art advisory and consulting business and doing something from scratch, literally, that I had no connections or or formal background in, in the art world or market or I mean, I did not have an art education. I did as an informal thing where my parents and grandparents used to take me to all those museums around the world and make me a cultivated person, but I didn't really have any connections. Uh, And I decided to do that because I love contemporary art. And when I moved to New York in year 2000, I started collecting for myself. And I thought it was fascinating, beautiful, interesting. And I saw that there was a need in the marketplace to have a person with my skill set. But at the same time, 
I came from a completely different area. So I was a disruptor because I didn't have any baggage. I didn't have any preconceptions. I didn't have any sort of, uh, you know, idea of what I was going to get into. And uh, here we are. It's been 13 years. I started with nothing and, and now it's a seven figure business. And I, I, I think, and I am a strong believer that part of the reason I have been successful in this field is because I utilize my creativity by mimicking a lot of the things that the artists that I got to meet in this fantastic, you know, business that I built for myself, mimicking what artists do, which also has a lot to do with the same way that entrepreneurs operate. And so all those habits and skills that I learned from artists. And also I learned from entrepreneurs because a lot of my clients are entrepreneurs and CEOs of companies and also um, actors and hip hop, you know, moguls and things like that. So I learned a lot from them as well. But I'm invested in this idea of conveying the idea, the creativity to other people so that they can learn for themselves how to do whatever they want to do, no matter what has been given to them, if that makes sense. Oh, that perfectly does. I love, I love your story and that. How, when you were making that choice, right? Cause you're, you, and I talk a lot about this too, like how we um, either maybe cultural programming or family dynamics, or sometimes our parents, right. Or sometimes we want to make our parents proud. So we follow what maybe their advice may be. And then we get to a point where we're like that you've, I I've gone through that, right. You just feel empty. I felt voided. And I was like, this is not me. I want to, I feel like I want to do something different. How hard was it? Or if it even was hard to make that choice to go away from being a, a corporate lawyer and getting to a whole, everything that you were doing, you know, making that initial shift uh, into the art world. How was it difficult? Was it easy? Was there a struggle at all? I mean, what, what kind of experience, if you don't mind sharing how you went through no, it was a lot of struggle because once you've been in an identity of certain career and a job that had a lot of prestige attached to it and incredible monetary compensation and benefits and whatnot, you have a lot of struggle with letting that go. And for me, it was a radical thing because it was not that I'm going to leave this big law firm and I'm going to go and work in the legal department of a small company. I mean, I just did not want anything to do with being an attorney ever again, because it was not me. So I had definitely made a decision when I pursued this career that was good at the moment, because that actually allowed me to leave a country that years after collapsed. And it also allowed me to have a very strong foundation but it was, it was, I was agonizing. I didn't really, I mean, I banged my head against the walls all the time because I, I, I was, I didn't know what to do with myself. And I knew that I wanted to do a thing that was so far from what I was already doing that it was going to be a very steep mountain and a very like difficult ladder to climb and and that's one of the reasons why I did not go trying to get a job at a fashion company or or a job at an auction house let's say because I knew that they were not going to really welcome my skill set because they were 
they wouldn't have found that I had a fit. So it was a very difficult decision to leave not only the comfort of all the things that I had worked so hard for so long and I had gotten certain seniority, but it was hard for me to think that I, I was going to be facing a whole new world that I knew very little about. And obviously, what is the, what is the trigger is, is two things, is having my child. And the second thing is the pain I felt being in that job is like my life was sifting away from me. It was like having sand in my two hands and that sand just like evaporating or like flying away. That was like, I, I looked at my life in that way and I said, this can't be. And uh, it was obviously the most, one of the most important decisions of my life. And one that actually opened a whole world of amazingness that, wow. Um, I just want to convey that it's been the best 13 years of my life. I love hearing that. And it, it's worth the the going through that struggle, right? Going through, some people say the darkness, the challenges, dark night of the soul, or just challenging ourselves with the uncomfortableness to get through it. Do the, I always say, if you do the hard work now, you'll, you'll, the, the rest of it, I wouldn't say it, it does get easier um, to a certain degree, but um, it's one of those things where the, the reward of doing that is so monumental. And I, Absolutely. Know, right. Yeah. Yes. And you have to go through that because I think that when we are faced with this incredible life decisions, they are never going to be easy. And this was a massive life decision. So I don't think that anybody who's facing something similar or whatever it is, people want to pivot careers. Some people just want to open a new business. Some people want to start things from scratch. Some people are reevaluating after the pandemic. What is it that they are going to go for or what they've been doing? And I think that introspection is very important. And none of these things should be taken lightly because it's a life decision, basically. And, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter the stage where you are. You could be very young or you could be very old and face this type of choices. And yes, of course, you know, it gets easier uh, once you've tackled the main issue and you've uh, particularly when you've actually said this is what I'm going to go for. This is when things start in a way, getting easier and on a spiritual level because you have already made peace with breaking up with a certain part of your past that no longer makes sense. And, and part of the, 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 the reasons why humans are in this world is to keep evolving and adapting. And that's, that's why it's so important that we all understand that we utilize our creative abilities not just it's creativity is not for painters or for you know architects it's for everybody who want to make the world around them relevant and themselves relevant and up to date and interesting and original with what we have been given i love that question that comes to mind for me is when, when I hear, you know, creativity and so forth, how can we as individuals become more creative? And you can tailor this to just people in general or entrepreneurs, because I really believe we're in an era in life where 
the we you know you always got to be creative but now with social media and all these other things it's like that's what's really um i don't want to say getting praise but it's 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 creating more attraction for the creativeness uh of ourselves you know this is no easy question because uh i mean there is a whole set of uh, skills that people have to develop but your question is very valid and what i can say is that we live in a world that has hijacked our brains with distractions. And we have to be very careful about that because human beings were not made. I mean, we were not wired or created in a way that we are making this huge leap of the amount of information and distraction that comes every day through our smartphones and internet and social media and whatnot. So one of the things that is extraordinarily helpful for anybody who wants to actually tap into the power of their own ideas is to step back and take moments of silence, whether that is, whether that is you know, 10 minutes of silent meditation a day. You don't, need a, you don't need a grotto with infrared lights and you don't need special apps, just the silence of, of your breathing and eyes closed. And to step back also from what you've been trying to solve a problem. And, and as this is called the incubation effect, and it's very important and critical. When people are focused on trying to solve a problem, it's sometimes they find themselves in, in certain kind of like echo chambers where they all they listen is their own voices back. And so both silence and taking time away and off from a particular problem are very crucial for, for creativity. But also for anybody who is interested in spotting new opportunities for themselves in whatever it is that they do, they people have to start paying more attention to what happens in the margins because things usually bubble up first in the margins and then they become mainstream. And so if you can spot in your industry or in an adjacent industry, something that is happening very small that you have seen a couple of times or that you see a trending pattern, it is important to take notes and pay attention. What is it that you can borrow from those marginal areas? For example, just a very common example that I, I totally love and and I think it's relatable to everybody when hip hop started in the 70s here in the Bronx it was just a bunch of folks hanging out in in street parties and in apartments playing a certain type of music and somebody was rapping and somebody was emceeing and that was kind of like what hip hop was and it just took on from there and it started become and like to the point that now hip hop is mainstream and he has like one of the United States biggest cultural experts and the people who were paying attention back then were some were not convinced and some people were actually convinced like all the producers who took on this artist very very early on and if you see how this has expanded also and uh, penetrated so many other different areas of culture like uh, jewelry and clothing and style and acrylic nails and uh, you know the way we speak the words that we use where we borrow them from and so it's it just started so little and for those who were early on paying attention they really 
capitalized on it in a positive way. But it's not just hip hop. I mean, if, if you look at when all the social media networks started, they were just ideas in, in the hands of college students who were interested in seeing if their experiments were leading to something bigger. And so it's I, I think that, for example, we're now like in an era of where all this new ideas of the metaverse and the NFTs and gaming combined together are very ripe for opportunities. And so I understand that they are scary for people who are not necessarily into technology or even people who are into technology, but they do not understand. I think that that's when, when you do not understand something, don't just reject it but try to document yourself as much as possible because just rejecting an idea for the sake of rejecting an idea does not necessarily mean that that's not going to happen. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you brought up something that I, I asked earlier is, about NFTs. Do you mind breaking down what NFTs are for the audience and then of kind course. of talking a little more deeper into that? Yes. Well, NFTs uh, live on the blockchain and as you know, Everybody knows there is a cryptocurrency movement or movement. No, I mean, I'll say it's right now it's pretty solid where you have a decentralized model where the, the currency that you use to pay for certain goods, whoever accept, accepts that currency or you can exchange it for dollars or pounds or whatever it is that you are. Uh, it's um, also lives on this world of, of the blockchains, right? And so how an NFT happens is that there is a long string of numbers and letters that lives on the blockchain that absolutely and, and exclusively represents a piece of art because we're talking about NFTs in the art world, although they are not exclusive to art because you can use an NFT to back up um, you know, a piece of real estate if you want to. For example, it's not necessary right now because we have other ways to document and certify and register a real estate transaction. But the NFT basically is your certificate of authenticity that lives on a blockchain and that identifies a specific type of artwork. Now, the artwork can be something that is digital. It can be a digital collage. It can be a digital picture. It can be a, anything that, you know, that is transmissible or that is only available. It can be a video. It can be anything that you can watch on a screen, right? But the NFT lives separate from that. However, it identifies that, if you know what I mean. It's almost like this is your social security number kind of thing, if that makes sense, right? And so the NFTs, what is interesting about them is that the NFT is what you need to do to every time you want to sell that piece of art, you're going to that piece of digital art or physical art as well, tangible, because the NFT, what it gives the validity to people is what it what is doing is creating all this registration and transparency or traceability even because sometimes people buy a piece of art and then they sell them to a friend or somebody and then you know, the, the whole thing goes around the world and nobody knows where that piece of art is anymore. So what the, the beauty of the technology of the blockchain and the Ethereum, which is the blockchain that's used, you know, the most for NFT transactions is that you're going to be able to trace who owns that particular piece of art because of the NFT. So you go to the ledger and you start looking 
for the ledger in this case is the blockchain. So you start looking for who owns what. And it's, a, it's revolutionary. It's very new. And we're, it's in the in, we're in the infancy of how this works uh, in, in relationship to art collecting and also what the advantages are for artists, for example, is that they can, they can bypass traditional galleries or they can bypass auction houses if they want to just work directly with collectors and do it one-to-one or they can go on this there are a bunch of different websites where people go open seas or nifty and then they can offer a small fee to the website and then they they sell directly to collectors who for the most part are gen z and and young millennials and this is an, an audience that they might not necessarily go and buy a painting at christie's for a million dollars but they are cultivating themselves through this because everything nowadays lives for these young people on their screens. And so it's a very interesting world that we must pay attention to very closely because it's here to stay. And obviously, since it's all young and uh, and still very rough, we don't really know all the many different iterations and many different ways that this is going to start taking over many other different areas, but particularly it's very interesting for authenticating and validating and following the life of an artwork. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break here. Here is a word from our sponsor. Spoken word poetry, raw, unfiltered, and delivered straight to you. Welcome to Digital Poetry Festival, a podcast for poets and poetry lovers to get their daily fill of poetry. Hosted by Ashley Alizor of the band Odinani. All right, let's get back to this rocking episode. Yeah, I'm very excited for NFTs. I, I learned about them a little bit ago, uh, about six months ago, and I kept hearing about it. And I'm like, what is this? I'm like, and then I was like hearing about these apes that were, you know, you can get them for like 500 bucks and now they're worth like 30,000. I'm like, it's just an ape. I'm like, hold on here. It's a digital <laughs> ape and different. Ape. I'm like, I don't get, I mean, it blows my mind what they sell for now, but I was very excited for artists because what you said, you know, about being on the blockchain, how they can follow where it sells and they can track that. And I also too, it's, it's like, even cause it's digital, that's going to be, when it goes on the blockchain, it's going to be more, um, you know, that you no one can hack that. No one can steal it to a certain degree uh, because it, the more it gets, you know, been put on other servers and stuff like that, it, it, you have to hack every single one, which is impossible to do that. So it helps out and then also helps out artists, which I'm very, very excited for. Absolutely. And, it, you know, I think I'm telling you, the more we learn about it, the better we will be equipped to serve the future because, we are going to be dealing with a generation of young collectors who may have started with NFTs and they understand it really well. There's nothing strange for them to learn. And it's almost like, you know, when you try to teach your grandparents about the internet or social media, you know, I mean, we, we have to start thinking about each and every new piece of technology in the same way. Like we don't want to be 
the grandparents, right? Like we don't want to be the ones who are like, I'm never not touching that ever, right? We want to be to a certain degree not living for that, but we want to be sufficiently active to ask the right questions, get the sufficient amount of information. And if we want to participate, then be able to do it with enough education. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, it's one of those things where I don't ever judge anything. So like when this came up and I was seeing how uh, how crazy it was going in the cryptocurrency world, I was like, I just need to learn about it. I may not get into this, but I'm like, because I'm in, I like investing in the cryptocurrencies, especially, uh, well, I in blockchain and companies, but, you know, using cryptocurrency with it. Uh, but it's one of those things where it's like, uh, it's just a fascinating thing that I think is going to blow up bigger than what we can ever imagine. And it's just exciting to see how it's already getting so popular. Absolutely. And it's about seeing the future, you know, and that's actually part of being creative, which I teach to my students. And I also, it's in my book, is why you want to invent the future is because you don't want the future to actually happen to you, if you know what I mean. You want to make sure that you have sufficient tools to create the future at will with products, with services, with content, with the way that you disseminate your ideas. And yes, I understand how fast everything moves and and the enormity of the task for all of us to be able to catch up with the things all the time. But we do want to participate of the conversation around us. And the NFTs are part of a cultural conversation as well, as much as they are a combination of things, right? It's pop culture, is cultural conversation, it's art, it's technology, it's the future, and it's the present too. So we just want to be very aware that these things deserve our attention. I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, it's one of those things where um, you talked about this. And, you know, I, I, when you were saying this, I um, was thinking of Bill Gates, you know, creating your future. And I remember, I think it was in the 70s, maybe 80s. I think it was 80s. He uh, it was in the 80s. He said that um, he had a vision. And he sees everyone having a PC in their home. And and the his, people were criticizing him, saying, oh, that's crazy. These things are so expensive. But he created the future in a sense to where, and not only him, I mean, other people played a role in this, but with the technological movements, but it was, everyone has PC, they, well, years ago, everyone had PCs in their, their house. Now everyone has phones and iPads and all these other things. When it comes to that, what are some things that, you know, as an entrepreneur, what can they do to, uh, and I know this is, this is in your book, if you don't mind sharing a little bit, how can people create the future? Is that like an example or can, or to like what Bill Gates did, or is there something- Listen, to, it's a, it's a fantastic question. And I think that I said it before, one of the things that people do to create the future is to pay attention to the present. And it's, it sounds so basic and trite, but it is the truth. Because if you're not seeing what's happening right now, and you're not 100% grounded and integrated with your space around you, you don't know what people need. But obviously, a vision for the future is much bigger than being attuned to the present because you have to be able to have a vision and think think things that could sound outlandish to others but they sound very real to you and and one perfect example of all this technology is the new wave of entrepreneurs who are interested and are already doing is, is uh, you know, con- conquering outer space or sending people to the moon or Mars or whatever, right? So we have Musk, we have Bezos, um, 
and uh, we have Virgin Atlantic in the mix. And so it's important that, you know, many years ago, or even 10 years ago, this could have sound delusional. And now we have this, our topics in the press every day, right? And it like, when, when I suggest what it is that you need to do to see the future and why I tell people to pay attention to the margins again, is because usually, that's where things happen. It's you start taking paying attention to the margins and see how these edges could be uh, better served or what is it that you can borrow from them so that you can create something that is more meaningful and, and more interesting from, you know, and, and, and has an, even an edge, right? different from what already exists. And, and so that's very, very important. One other thing is the combination of disparate and different elements is very important to, for people when they want to invent the future because nothing that is creative is pure, if you know what I mean. It's, 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 a, it's an amalgamation of a variety of things that are happening around us. And that's why when, you know, Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and these guys were actually figuring out their place in the world. And I think Steve Jobs is actually one of the better examples is he, they started with the computers, but then he went on to how do I make something that people really will revolutionize the, the world of communications? And he did. And it was the iPhone, because it is a portable office, literally, that we never thought it was going to have so many capabilities. We can call somebody in India and see them face to face because through FaceTime, we can have all these millions of apps that I'm not talking about games. I'm talking about things that are helpful, that facilitate your life, that you can use for work, your email, uh, you know, your calendar, everything, right? And so it's it, it was not just one thing because phones already existed and cellular phones already existed. It was how do I serve everybody with everything that I can put inside of like such a little, if you think about how small that iPhone is and the amount of things that happen with it, it's mind blowing. And, and, you know, it's music. It's again, it's like the way that we communicate changed and the way that those phones also enable for other more technologies, including social media. So it's very important that when anybody wants to invent the future, they have to take into consideration a lot of different elements of what they want to do. And when they are testing ideas, it's also important to pay attention. If if what you want to do for the future, whatever it is, again, it's a service, it's a product, it's, you know, it's, it's creating something that people consume. You have to make sure that people, that it makes sense for people to incorporate that in their lives and they share it and they have an emotional reaction because that's ultimately what you want is people having an emotional reaction somewhat to what you're putting out. And, and, and this is, we are, you know, the human species and the thing that actually makes us or or is cohesive around the world and all of us is that we have feelings and emotions and that we react to those when something is appealing to us. And so it's crucial that you see if people are reacting to something in a way that makes them take action, that makes them, that elicits an emotion on them to consider paying attention to why is that. And if you can 
integrate it or incorporate it or take pieces of, of what those people are, those actions that people are doing. And go, to go back to your example, when uh, PCs came out and they were so expensive, right? But people still wanted them and it, and it allowed them to take action. And then the prices went lower and lower. And it was a rarity even at some point that people had computers and and it just, and it, the internet came along with it, which was all, it came, so we needed like another factor. It was not just computing because the computers existed and you ne- didn't need to be connected to the internet. You use them for, to type documents and to do Excel spreadsheets and whatnot. And then when the internet came and it revolutionized everything, but it was not just one thing. We needed other things that were, integrated so that the utility of the product was actually manifested and taken to another level, right? I mean, like we saw that we needed those computers because we all wanted to be connected on the internet and there was no other way to be connected. And so when you have such a level of demand, obviously the price goes down. And so this is this is how you actually start connecting pieces of the puzzle of whatever you do to be able to be ahead of the curve, you know, and 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 and, and give your gifts and your ideas to do something that is good for the world, for you, and also it makes money because uh, we don't want to just give our ideas and not profit from them. Totally, and it has to be that win-win kind of a situation. I, I totally agree with you there. And, and I love how you brought up the whole, you know, I, I like Steve Jobs a little bit more because uh, someone stole his ideas. I won't mention names, <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of the things where like you bring it up, like with, with the iPhone and you, know, you look at what that did, right? It told, and it also, it disrupted the whole MP3 player world because, you know, I used to have an MP3 player and then I eventually went to a, a smartphone actually until uh, I eventually went to iPhone, but it's like, and then you can take this to the blockchain, right? Look at Ethereum it's created. And now all these other companies work off Ethereum to exist because of what Ethereum being on their platform. And it's, it's, it's the, the, those kind of concepts that I like when you bring up the whole, like looking at the present, where are we, where we're at looking at these things and you find, how can we, you know, disrupt or change or shift, even sometimes something, something so small can make a massive impact. And yeah, Steve Jobs changed the way um, he'll be one of the mem- people that will remember for eons now because of how he transformed all our life just by the way of modes of communication. He changed everything he did. And uh, the the good thing is that nobody has to be him, you know, because uh, that's also something I emphasize. You are you and Vic is Vic and, you know, me. So everybody has their own set of ideas and gifts and uh, and also the your experiences shape who you are and allow you to see things in a way that nobody else sees. And so that's very important. And also you know, nothing is 100% original. And you said it, like, somebody stole a few of of Steve Jobs' ideas, but he also stole ideas himself because it's, you know, humans have been populating this earth for way too long. And nothing is 100% original. We are building on what has been given to us. And that's important also for people to think. I mean, some... some, uh, you know, students come to me and say, but you know, that has been done already. I say, yes, it has been done already, but it's got to be done the way you think you're going to give it a different spin. And 
creativity is about upgrading the old as well. And, and this is where Steve Jobs comes in, right? We already had phones and we had MP3s and we had computers, and but they were not integrated in the way he did it. And the phones, he, he was obsessed with this idea of seamlessness and how the the object contains everything with with the design that does not have extra added buttons or it, it just like and that's why apple keeps reducing the amount of holes and plugins and whatever that your computers or your phones have it's because it's on the dna of the company the way that steve jobs wanted it to be is like how do we make this so perfectly seamless that it's just like integrated and people can't even see you know, anything that is outside of place. And it, but it is because he also built on the ideas that existed already. And we have to acknowledge and honor for ourselves that we make amazing contributions to the world based on what already happens and exists. And we, we take them, we deconstruct them, we build on them, or we tear them apart, or we just like recompose the parts differently. And, and, you know, retail, for example, is an industry that is always struggling to reinvent how they run their businesses, how they sell to people, if it is brick and mortar, or like, how do they do things online and this and that. And the truth is that brands that are successful are the ones that are always adding a different spin to what already exists, like, you know, Warby Parker, when they revolutionized the world of selling uh, eyewear and eyeglasses and whatnot, and they had all this idea of like, why why is it so expensive to what to buy a pair of glasses? And they figured out it's because of the middleman and how many licenses and people and eyewear and this and that. And they say, well, let's cut everybody and let's just have a factory that manufactures eyeglasses. Let's have people come in and do the exam in our stores, and let's just do everything ourselves and donate a portion. And every time that somebody buys a pair of glasses, another pair of glasses is given to kids in need. So, I mean, how you explain that in, in this world where we have millions of companies that manufacture eyeglasses, these guys came in and created a whole new model based on something that already existed. And this is the important thing is that take what it already exists and find out a better way of doing it. This is where your creativity shines and add all this new elegant or different or revolutionary spins so that we end up with something that it's better. And you're going to have to reinvent many times. And that's the other thing that's very important to take into consideration is that you're never going to put something out in the world that's going to just stay like that forever. Because unless it's, you know, a piece of literature or a film, but even that, I mean, filmmakers are always pushing themselves to do something different as, as, you know, writers are always pushing themselves to create new ways to engage their audiences. And because not only we live in a world that changes so fast, but also, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, the purpose of humans is to evolve. Yes, I couldn't agree. And I love how you're bringing these points up about creativity again, in the essence of just sometimes taking something like, like I said, Steve Jobs, what he did was just taking pieces of information, bits of different industries, put it all together. Here's an iPhone. Um, or you recreate new things in your own spin. And I, and I think that's the message I, I share a lot in people I work with is always about, you know, here's like for me, I'm a chiropractor. In chiropractic, you, there's an essence to what chiropractic is, but then there's also what's chiropractic to you. 
because you have to bring, you're bringing chiropractic to the world in a unique way that is only that you'll bring, but it still ties to like the main theme and concept of what chiropractic is. But how do you explain it? How do you, what analogies do you use? Why is it important for XYZ or for a business person? Why is it, you know, looking at a concept or an idea and how to take it, twist it a little bit, get a little creative and then make it you at the end of the day? Yeah. And that's what creativity is. And that belongs to each one of the people who have their own areas of expertise. And also, if they want to create something completely different, it's a good idea to start paying attention to the adjacent industries, right? I mean, if you talked about the chiropractor, could the chiropractor could also have something else that is like, you know, a... um, I don't know, a service that caters to people with other types of injuries, like sports medicine or or like a little type of, you know, rehab gym or, you know, I don't know, maybe partner with other types of service providers and things like that, that enhance and also amplify the not only the profits, but also the services and how you're taking care of the people. I think that that's one of the things that sometimes people miss out on collaborating and partnering with others for fears of sharing what they have or whatnot, when actually the opposite is what the outcome will be, is that you will be expanding and increasing your reach and the people that you serve. And obviously that has a ripple effect, right? In all that you do. And it's important that, you know, for people who are trying to figure out what to do next, which has been the most, uh, the thing that I've heard the most really in the past 18 months since COVID started and, and really turned our worlds upside down is, how do I reinvent myself? And I think it's important to really look at these different areas that might not necessarily be far, far away from what you do, because I mean, nobody can be a neuroscience if you've trained all your life as an architect. That's not, it's, it's, that is really outlandish. And I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about there are a lot of things that live next to each other and people do not pay attention to that. And I think that we, we have a well of creativity and also a mind goal next to it, you know, to us just by turning our heads sideways instead of just looking ahead. I love that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, Maria, I can talk to you all day about this. I love your energy <laughs> and the position, the, the way you look at things and, you know, and how you approach it. It's just, I love it. Um, but for the listeners, I know you have a book coming out next month. How can they connect, find your book, follow you, all that good stuff? Yes. So my book is called How Creativity Rules the World. It's published by HarperCollins. So it's on Amazon and you can pre-order it. And it's on every place that sells books as a pre-order. And uh, you can go and, you know, independent bookstores and Barnes & Noble and all that. And they can find me on mariabrito.com. That's B-R-I-T-O. And that's my website where I also have links to my free weekly newsletter on creativity, all the handles and all the links and all the thumbnails to my social media. And, uh, you know, I also have a creativity class that people can take and it's self-paced and it's super fun. It's all online and it's a wonderful 
compliment and uh, to anybody who wants to take their ideas to the next level. But I'm super thrilled about the book because it's it's taking me my life, honestly, to write it. And I think that it's, it's given people a whole roadmap on how they can utilize their ideas. And it's, it has a lot of narrative about history and entrepreneurship psychology, I quote a ton of studies about creativity and how people can do that themselves. And at the end of each chapter, there is a series of exercises on how to implement what they learn in that chapter, which I thought it was missing from a lot of creativity books out there. And I wanted my readers to have that, to have that kind of like each chapter ends with a workbook type of thing. So you go ahead and you implement that in your life. Love that. Maria, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wonderful nuggets of wisdom and uh, all that you're doing. Uh, I love what you're doing. Keep up with it. And thanks for sharing that with the world. Thank you, Vic. And thank you to the audience. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.